Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Fandom Report. I'm your host, Catherine Mora, and I'm here today with fellow TikToker, Trista. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for agreeing to come on. I'm super excited about this episode. Um, so for those of you who don't follow Trista, and if you don't follow her, what are you doing? Um, she does a lot of Spider-Man and Daredevil content. And today we're going to be talking about Daredevil and Spider-Man, particularly Daredevil, the potential of him being in Spider-Man No Way Home, the potential of Wilson Fisk having a cameo in Hawkeye, and all of the other characters' futures in the MCU. So Trista, if you want to talk to me a little bit about like how your love for Daredevil came about, like what your experience was with this character. Yeah, so um, I found out about Daredevil from my sister. She was the person that first introduced me to Marvel movies way back when, um, like a decade ago when I was younger. And I hadn't really known too much about the Netflix shows, but my sister introduced me to them. And she said, Trista, you would love the show. It's right up your alley. You know, you love everything Marvel. You should give these shows a try. Um, and so I watched Daredevil and I sort of instantly fell in love with the character and the universe that the Netflix shows created. Um, and I think there's just something really relatable and understandable about Matt Murdock and uh, the other characters, Foggy and Karen, I just fell in love with. Um, and I really just, I couldn't get enough of it. I started watching the show and then I started reading the comics as well. Um, which I also fell in love with. So it was really nice, uh, a really nice way to get connected to the character and to be introduced to more of the comics was starting with the show and then reading like the Frank Miller run, uh, the Bendis yeah. run. And just, I really fell in love with the character. So I guess that's how it all started. I have to thank my sister for that. <laughs> no, definitely. The characters are, there's something different about the way they kind of flesh out these characters in the Netflix shows as opposed to the Marvel movies. Like they, you know, when like take Peter Quill, for example, like he does have like a very sad backstory when you first meet him, like his mom passing away. But I feel like the Netflix shows and Daredevil just have a way of making it just like more tragic. And it yeah. definitely has to do with like the tone of the shows and everything. But they also just, like you said, the characters are just so much more relatable. Like they feel like real people. They don't feel like superheroes. Like Matt mm -hmm. Murdock, like, yes, he's a superhero, but he feels more like an everyday person than anything else. Yes. And I think that's what's so compelling about it is that these characters uh, being like a ground level hero, a street level hero mm -hmm. makes it uh, much easier for the audience to kind of connect with Matt and see some of these real world problems that Matt's dealing with. Like Matt's not really fighting aliens in the way that the Avengers are, or dealing yeah. with these huge like world is at stake problems. He's dealing with the crimes in New York and he's dealing with things that we see on the news or things that we experience in our lives. And that's mm -hmm. what makes it so much easier to connect with because you can sort of see yourself in Matt and who he is as a person because he very much feels human, which is what I love. Yeah, no, absolutely. So would you say that Matt is your favorite character from the from the show or somebody else? Yeah, I would say Matt is probably my favorite um, just because I think he's really well written and he's such a complex character. Um, but I also really enjoyed Karen. I think she's one of my favorite um, female characters in all of the MCU, if we're including oh. like Daredevil in the MCU yeah. um, class. Um, I think she's just a really well-written and well-rounded character. And I fell in love with her from the very first season. And then as we slowly got to see more and more of her story, I thought it was so interesting, um, the depth 
that they gave her and how they kind of gave us conflicting feelings about Karen and her background and some of the choices she makes. And I thought it was so well done. No, I totally see what you're saying. I will say just to put on the record, she's not one of my favorite characters. I don't dislike her. She's just not up there for me. But I definitely agree with what you're saying about how they wrote her out and how they developed her. Something that happens a lot with like, you know, like the side female character in these superhero shows is that they're put on this pedestal and they're yes. made to like, you see them like they can do no wrong. Like the first one that comes to mind is, I don't know if you've ever watched Arrow, but Felicity Smoke from Arrow. Mm -hmm. Like she's on this pedestal. She can do no wrong. She's like perfect, but it's so true with Karen, like, you know, they do give us conflicting feelings about her. And they say, you know, she's not this perfect female in the superhero's life. And I actually never really thought about this until you brought it up. And it definitely is changing, like, as we're talking now, changing my perspective on her, like, it's, she's much more than a side character. She has all this, like, you know, depth to her and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important with like the female characters as well, mm -hmm. specifically, because like you said, they're they're so often put on this pedestal and they're like mm -hmm. this perfect character. And I think it's really nice to have female characters that aren't just two dimensional and they can have, you know, things that you don't agree with or they can be questionable and still be yeah. really empowering and inspiring. Totally agree. Totally agree. So is Karen, I'm assuming Karen is somebody that you would love to see come back in the MCU. Yes, definitely. I'm really hoping that they find a way to bring her back. Um, if they're able to bring back, you know, Matt and Kingpin, I'd love to mm -hmm. see Karen come back as well. So we'll put a pin on Karen for now and we'll swing yeah. over to, uh, you know, to put a little spidey pun in there, swing over to um, Daredevil and Kingpin. So I'm sure you've heard the rumors that uh, Charlie Cox um, will be playing Matt Murdock uh, as Peter Parker's lawyer in No Way Home. What are your thoughts about this? This is something that I've really been hoping for ever since we found out uh, that cliffhanger at the end of Far From Home. When yep. I saw that leader, uh, that Peter was going to be in legal trouble, I was like, oh my gosh, Matt Murdock, but this would be a perfect time to introduce him. I think there's no better way to introduce Matt Murdock into the greater MCU than to have him interact with Peter Parker, just because that duo is so fantastic together. It works really well with the story. And I just think with everything that we're expecting from No Way Home, it would be really amazing to have Charlie Cox kind of thrown into the mix with that. No, absolutely. And the thing is that it doesn't necessarily even have to be a multiverse thing. Like he's ground level enough that he can still exist within the MCU. Because exactly. like you said before, he doesn't deal with the aliens. Like he's not going to show up to fight Thanos. Because I saw this one um, post somewhere, probably on Tumblr, where it was like, you know, you have the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Avengers protecting the world, and then Daredevil's like mac micromanaging like 10 <laughs> square blocks of Hell's Kitchen. And mm -hmm. it's it would be so easy just to bring him in and kind of be like this new mentor for Peter Parker. I know it's yeah. most likely going to be Doctor Strange, but in terms of like, you know, dealing with this whole, le like the legalities and everything, especially like it, because the Sokovia Accords like kind of come and go in the MCU yeah. like it, it, it's Marvel doesn't really I feel like they put themselves in a corner they're not entirely sure like how to work with this anymore but yeah. that's it's would be so easy to like have that be something like a storyline for Matt Murdock like with Peter Parker or outside in his own project I totally agree mm -hmm. and then Kingpin so this is another rumor that I'm not sure if you've heard of so do you know in the first Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that came out, the part right before Doc Ock like comes out and says, hello, Peter. Peter's like standing in front of a car and he's like looking off to the side and there's that woman sitting in the car, right? 
Yes. So somebody pointed out how like, even though she's only there for like a couple of seconds, that woman does not move at all. And they think she's just like a picture that they like CGI'd in there. Oh. And so the fact that she's also like sitting in like the back of the car, I'm like, that might possibly be Wilson Fisk. Like, cause you know, sitting in the back of the car, he has his driver and Mm -hmm. it's just very bizarre that like Peter Parker is just like there in the middle of the highway talking to somebody in a car. I, I don't know, like, what, what do you think about that? I think that definitely is interesting. So I hadn't heard specifically uh, rumors about Kingpin being in No Way Home, mm-hmm. but I do know that Marvel does edit their trailers and sort of bend some of the scenes a little bit. So yes. we don't really know what to expect going into it. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Kingpin being brought into the story. And it's something I would really love to see. Um, And I was, I remember when I watched the trailer originally and I did feel like something about that scene was a little bit off, but I didn't quite know what it was. It it seemed just a little bit random with all the other sequences we were getting. So that would be great if uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was the one in the car and he was the one hiding behind, you know, that CGI that they covered in the trailer. No, definitely. Especially because, you know, it's somewhat reliable rumors that he will make an appearance in Hawkeye. And with Hawkeye episodes five and six, like kind of sandwiching No Way Home, it almost makes me wonder like, what's what's his role going to be? Like, if he's going to be in Hawkeye, is there a reason why they're releasing No Way Home? Like in between these episodes, is it just a Mm -hmm. coincidence? Like Marvel's really just playing mind games with us at this point. (laughs) I know, I am. I have been thinking about that, how Hawkeye's kind of sandwiching No Way Home. And I was wondering if anything that happens in Hawkeye, especially since we're pretty much expecting Kingpin to make an appearance, if that is going to affect the events of No Way Home or not. Um, And I'm really curious to see what happens. I hope it does. I think it would be great to see the shows kind of directly play over into the movies like that. It would be really interesting. Um, yeah. So I guess it's something we're going to have to wait and see. No, uh, yeah, that, that's the unfortunate part. We, there's nothing we can do at this point, except we can speculate all we want. We won't know for sure until December 15th for the UK and, and the 17th for, for the US over here. Um, but I will add on to that, that, you know, if Kingpin does have a part to play in, in No Way Home, it definitely adds to, you know, the potential for, for a Matt Murdock storyline within the movie. Definitely. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. So going off of the assumption that these two characters that we both love and want to have come back are in fact in Hawkeye and or No Way Home, let's talk about what their future could look like in the MCU. So there's Mm -hmm. rumors that, you know, Matt Murdock will have uh, potential appearances in She-Hulk, which makes sense because, you know, the whole lawyers thing, they probably run in the same circles, that there'll be a connection in Echo, which, by the way, I also saw the TikTok that you posted of, like, Echo and, and Daredevil, and I was flipping out, like, that. it's just, <laughs> just so good. <laughs> it was yeah. so good. I mean, yeah, it would be great to see him kind of existing in, like, these other projects, but I think what we really want is a season four of Daredevil yeah. on Disney+. Plus. Yes, that's definitely, I really hope, I know there's been a lot of talks about like a potential reboot of the show Mm -hmm. uh, or like a soft reboot, like it would still be the same characters, the same cast, Um, but from what I understand people talking about it, it might be like a reimagined version or like a slightly different sequence of events, but what I am really hoping is that we can keep the integrity of the original show and almost see a continuation if possible of sort of where we left off because there was so much left of the story to tell um, from where we left off in season three, when we finally get back together, you know, Nelson, Murdoch, and Paige. And mm-hmm. I really want to see 
you know, where these characters can go based on the development they've had so far. So yes. in an ideal world, I think like something like a season four or a continuation, even if it's a new Daredevil show, um, right. kind of picking up where we left off is something I would really, really want. I totally agree. I mean, I will say this about season three, the way it ends besides that, like that last shot of bullseye, like it kind of feels like everything is wrapped up nice and neat, you know, it's kind of a happy ending. So it works, but absolutely. I want to see where else these characters can go, where they can go, you know, now that they would be able to exist and interact with the Marvel universe at large. And especially, you know, regardless of what their roles are in Hawkeye and No Way Home, just the way that things were left between um, Matt and and Wilson Fisk. Like that mm-hmm. last fight scene is, is it blows my mind how nobody won like an Emmy or anything I know. for that scene alone. It's outstanding. It really is. It really is. It, like to me, for me, season three is my favorite of, of the three mm-hmm. seasons. It's just so well done. And the fact that they were canceled, um, like they, they didn't get a season four. And we know that it's, it's not because the show like wasn't doing well. Like it, it, was, it was the golden goose, like Netflix, like that was gold for Netflix. But we know that there was stuff going on with Disney, you know, le- legally behind the scenes and all that. And so you just have to wonder like, what was Kevin Feige's plan? Like he, that's the thing about Kevin Feige. He sees talent and he like knows like where the stories are that he wants to like pick at and exploit. Mm-hmm. And he had to have been able to see like the success and the love that the fans had for Daredevil. So keeping the integrity of the show and I don't know how that would work, you know, with Disney plus like the brand of Disney and then like the dark grittiness of, of Daredevil, which Netflix allowed them to do. I desperately want a season four, but I'm almost scared that putting it on Disney plus would kind of ruin the show. Yeah, I definitely, I share that fear with you because I know a lot of fans are worried about this with Disney kind of taking control of Marvel in general. Um, People Mm -hmm. have had the same worry with Deadpool and having an R rating, you know, Daredevil was rated for mature audiences and the tone of Daredevil is so different from other Marvel projects in that it's dark, it's gritty, it's pessimistic in some ways, and it, it feels very dark and real. Um, Mm -hmm. But this doesn't really fit in the same way with, you know, the Marvel movies, which are in that lighthearted PG-13 comedy action genre. And I know that's something that Disney sort of has in their brand as well, being family friendly and taking on that same genre and tone for most of their projects. So I, I do hope that if we see Daredevil come back, that we don't have to sacrifice um that mature element to daredevil because i think that's one of the reasons i did really enjoy it is because it was a breath of fresh air it was something really different it sort of broke the formula um that had been set forth in terms of tones and themes um so i do hope we get that grittiness and that that's the thing about worrying about daredevil coming back is is it going to be in the same way or is it going to have to be reworked and rewritten to be able to fit into that new genre yeah, exactly. Is it going to be our Daredevil or is yes. it going to be? Yeah, that, that's the thing with with the soft reboots and everything. Like, don't get me wrong. I I would love to see all the cast back. Like if I could only pick two, like definitely keep Charlie Cox, keep Vincent D'Onofrio. Like it would be sad to see everybody else go. But like if I only could save two, like those would be the two. But, I agree. And that's the thing, like especially with Kevin Feige saying like how he wants to recast all the X-Men, like when they finally do a mutants movie, like it's probably crossed his mind if they are looking to do some sort of reboot. So it's definitely, you know, concerns to be had about 
a season four. But at the end of the day, I think especially because you brought up Daredevil, knowing that it will be an R-rated film uh, and that Kevin Feige is talking personally with Ryan Reynolds because that implies that he wants to keep the integrity of Deadpool within the next movie. Like he knows that Deadpool is a success because it is the way it is. So Mm -hmm. the hope would be that if he does want to bring Daredevil back, he understands it's good because of everything that it has because of its tone and its approach and everything. So who knows? Hope. I mean, it could even, they could even go as far as to like put it on Hulu potentially. Like, because I feel like that's where their kind of darker shows kind of go. And I know it's kind of hard because they want like their Marvel Studios stuff to be in Disney Plus. So it's got to find that balance. Yeah, exactly. So um, kind of backtracking a little bit, Hawkeye and Kingpin. I'm just curious to know like what your theories are. Oh gosh, I really, I have to say with Hawkeye, I'm going in kind of completely blind and not knowing what to expect. Okay. Um, and I'm wondering, I do know we did see Echo at the end of episode two. Um, and I am familiar with Echo from the Daredevil comics and her connection to Kingpin. So I'm, I'm assuming that Echo is going to play a much bigger role and that Kingpin's going to be kind of brought into the story through Echo. But I'm not quite sure, you know, what the main problem is going to be with um with Clint and Kate in terms of their you know relationship with Kingpin and how he's going to play as the antagonist and I don't know if he's going to be he's being introduced so late in the game I don't know if he would be the main antagonist or I really don't know what his role would be or what to expect from it to be honest I I'm in a very similar boat like I've heard bits and pieces like somebody pointed out how the, the hotel where the black market auction was happening is the same hotel that he was staying at in season three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, that's a connection that that's some, you know, what if he was involved somehow in that black market auction, okay. Um, somebody else was pointing out how, you know, they, they talk a lot on like the, especially like the news reports in Hawkeye about how Ronan like wiped out a lot of like the criminal underworld in in New York City so if that impacted Kingpin's organization somehow like that also makes sense but you're totally right like he's if he's going to be like a main antagonist like he's coming in very late unless they introduce him like early in episode three I don't that's already like halfway through this um through the season so I don't know how that would work but I mean it could even be something as minor as like a cameo and an after credit scene I hope it's I hope it's a little more than that but yeah yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are with, with my Kingpin theories. Yeah, I did notice, I think it was on Reddit, someone pointed out when they were talking about Ronan, um, mm-hmm. how, like you said, he was taking out, you know, sort of, it said he dismantled the head of organized crime, and it mm-hmm. specifically said, like, the head as in a singular person, ah. and I was wondering if that was alluding to Kingpin and kind of setting us up for later in the series, which I was really hoping because um, usually Marvel's pretty particular with the phrasing of things to kind of drop hints or little Easter eggs. Um, and someone else pointed out the news reporter that we see in Hawkeye is the same news anchor that's in the Daredevil series. Yes. Um, and he's been throughout like all of the MCU projects. And so mm-hmm. that I, I also thought was sort of hinting at Kingpin and potentially at Daredevil making a return at some point in the future, just mm-hmm. showing that these uh, these projects are intended to be connected in some way, even if um, the Netflix shows aren't still considered canon, they're still very much purposefully connected 
into the story and that maybe we can expect to see these people actually coming back. Absolutely. And the, yeah, no, the, the news anchor was definitely kind of like, a, oh, yeah, like, because because I don't remember what the other project was, because you're right, there was another project besides Hawkeye and Daredevil that he was in, but I can't recall off the top of my head. But I I didn't catch that thing about like the head of, of organized crime. You're, yeah, Marvel, they, especially like after WandaVision, like there's no question about like how they handle their, their little Easter eggs and everything. Yeah. It makes me wonder then like, kind of tying this to what we were talking about, like the soft reboot for, for Daredevil, like how that would work if it's like, did, because at the end of season three, um, Daredevil and Kingpin, you know, they make a deal, like, I won't go after Vanessa if you don't go after the people that I love, like, they, that's their deal. So if potentially, like, maybe Daredevil, like, was dusted, like, in Thanos' snap, and then Kingpin, like, Ooh. rose to power again, like, then, you know, the Ronin, Hawkeye would have gone, you know, after organized crime, like, I, I don't know, that's, that that's like one one potential way that that yeah. could have happened and i do think you bring up something interesting with how the snap would play into mm -hmm. you know the dynamic of the daredevil characters and how that would impact their story if we're seeing them come back to the mcu because i would assume that not all of them survived uh the blip and that yeah. at least half of them um depending on what characters you know we're talking about would have been snapped away and how that mm -hmm. would affect you know, Kingpin, if he's able to gain back his power with Matt out of the picture, mm -hmm. um, or maybe if there was something that happened with Vanessa yes. being blipped and yes. then kind of that deal. I know Karen makes a joke about it at the end of season three. She says, you know, what happens to this deal if Vanessa were to get hit by a bus tomorrow or if something yeah, like right. random, randomly crazy were to happen and the deal would kind of fall through. So I wonder if the snap or the blip would have played into that um, yeah. and affected, you know, that deal with, with, Matt and Kingpin. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially when you think about how, because you can tell like in his, in his way, like Wilson Fisk like loves Vanessa with all his heart, yes. like whatever heart he has <laughs> inside of him, but <laughs> yeah. like he loves her. And especially at the end of season three, you see how much that holds him back. Like if Vanessa wasn't in the picture, like he would not, he, he wouldn't have any reason to make a deal with Daredevil. Exactly. Like he would have nothing to lose essentially. Mm -hmm. So it would definitely make for a more dangerous kingpin. And yes. then that it definitely a bigger threat for, you know, Hawkeye, Spider-Man, Daredevil, like whichever heroes he's going to be interacting with in future projects. I totally agree. I think that Vanessa is in a lot of ways, like a personification of his humanity. And mm -hmm. without Vanessa being in the picture, without having that person to, to hold him back um, and to remind him of you know, who he is and why he thinks he's right, because he thinks he's doing something good for, for Hell's Kitchen. And he, yeah. in a very twisted way, he has this, this idea that he's making the city a better place. And Vanessa is kind of his reminder of what he's doing and why. Vanessa, mm -hmm. in, in a very weird way, is, is Fisk's humanity. With her out of the picture, I think Fisk would just be absolutely ruthless and would definitely pose such a an even bigger problem than he was before if that's even possible uh to matt and to to peter potentially no definitely yeah without vanessa he's he basically would just have no morals like he's gonna yes. just do whatever he wants like especially thinking back to like season one of daredevil like before vanessa was really in his life like just thinking back to how he like smashed that guy's head in with oh the car door yes yeah, like he after meeting vanessa like he i mean you know he's still the ruthless kingpin but he still wasn't i can't remember unless i'm forgetting like anything like that violent no. that he's done 
Yeah, he definitely, he changed quite instantly when he met Vanessa. He almost became sort of infatuated with her. And I think infatuated with the sense of humanity that she gave him almost. And I think, I think he did change, not a lot. I think he's still, he's ruthless. He's, he's horrible. He's done such, such horrible things. But in a very weird way, he like, he shifted his standards um, for Vanessa. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and that just makes me think of the season one finale where he, um, him and Matt, you know, he, he and Dead Revel, I should say, are fighting. And there's one point where he says, like, the city didn't deserve being saved. Mm -hmm. And I thinking to what you just said about like how he kind of his standards have changed. It makes me wonder if his standards for like what he expects of other people have changed. It, and it kind of goes back to the whole thing of like putting female characters on a pedestal although in this case yes. it's Wilson Fisk putting Vanessa on a pedestal like he totally he definitely sees her as this like perfect being and like I guess for him she is but then you know for us watching you know when we see that she orders like the death of the FBI agent it's kind of like yes. oh you know she's you know she's his humanity but she has a dark side to her too mm -hmm. I think that's interesting because as the audience we are able to see the flaws that Fisk can't quite see because he holds her, like you said, on such a high pedestal. And in comparison to himself, she is so much better than him, but we can still see her flaws and her dark side, like you said, and that she isn't quite as perfect and innocent as she seems. She's really, she's done some horrible things. And in a, in a very twisted way, she is sort of an, an equal, I don't know, an equal counterpart to Fisk, just in a very different way. Yeah, I would definitely say, yes, yeah, season three, Vanessa is definitely uh, his like his equal and his counterpart, mm -hmm. not just in his eyes, but also like in the eyes of his organization, because I can vaguely remember at one point somebody kind of questioning Vanessa, like giving an order and Fisk kind of just laid down the law, like yeah. you're going to do what she says. Mm -hmm. So it almost makes you wonder like what role she would even play, like if she was dusted or if, you know, she got hit by a bus because we saw at the end of Infinity War, like, you know, planes were crashing, helicopters were yes. falling out of the sky, like if something in that manner ended up with her, her passing away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be, it, it's, the more we learn about what happened, like during the blip, post blip, like kind of seeing like the bigger picture of how it affected the world at large. And with adding all of these new characters, it's definitely painting a, because, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty dark scenario to think of but it's definitely yes. painting like a more chaotic version than anything I had previously like imagined in my head. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe Matt was the one who dusted away. Maybe Kingpin was the one who, who got dusted. Maybe they all were, who knows? Mm -hmm. True, <laughs> who knows? we have no clue. True, that would, that would actually help a lot in terms of like kind of keeping everybody where Easy they were storytelling. at the end of season exactly. three. But it would be very interesting, um, far more interesting, in my opinion, to see like if one had disappeared and not the other, like how that would have affected the the bounds of their deal. If you know, if Marvel's going to keep on with that storyline at all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So beyond what we've talked about so far, what are some like things you would love to see? Things you wouldn't like to see? Um, should Marvel bring these characters back into the MCU? I think, oh gosh, I, I don't think if, if it is a soft reboot, I wouldn't want to see the same storylines kind of played over. I think that's one of my fears is that 
if it's a soft reboot, they might redo a storyline, but kind of reimagine it in a different way, potentially in a more like family friendly way. I know that again, it goes back to the worry that, um, you know, the theme and the tone of the show would be shifted. But I do hope that we get to see kind of more of the characters from the comics that we haven't seen yet. Like, I don't want it to be a recreation of the things we've already done, just because I think that seasons one through three of Daredevil are so perfect and such a great adaptation of the comics that I don't think it needs to be changed. And I don't, uh, I don't want them to kind of go back and rework that because I, I think it's so well done. So I would want to see new stuff. I would really want to see, you know, we left off at the end of season three, Bullseye. We didn't really get to see the full extent of him as a character. Um, so yeah. if we can have him come back as a main antagonist and see, kind of pick up where we left off, I would really like to see that. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if, um, cause I can't remember, remind me, does Dex ever learn who Daredevil's identity is or is it just Fisk? Who knows? I think just Fisk. Okay. I don't think he knows. Okay, okay. Because then, yeah, cause then it's like, you don't want it to be a thing with like, with Spider-Man where like everybody slowly starts figuring out who who Daredevil's identity is. So I, I'm glad it would be just Fisk if they stick with that. Um, but I agree, bringing Bullseye back, especially cause that, the storyline was so well done in season three, but it would be great to kind of see him just doing his own thing. Like he goes rogue from under Fisk's control at the end of season three. And it'd be great. Yeah. Like he's just so unhinged, like was his, his performance was just so spectacular. And to see him kind of going off and doing his own thing, especially if he does want to like go after Fisk, if Fisk is out and like running the criminal underworld again, his, you know, vendetta against Daredevil, you know, putting him in jail because I don't remember what the full extent of his injuries were I know he was having surgery but he's mm -hmm. definitely going to hold a grudge for for that whole fight yeah. so I, I agree that would definitely be a great antagonist to bring back yeah and I think the show could also really benefit as much as I really love the dynamic between just you know Foggy Karen and Matt I think it would be really nice I mean we're going to be introduced to Echo we saw you know a glimpse of her at the end of Hawkeye episode two it would be really nice to have Echo playing to that group of characters, even if it's temporarily, um, just to see how she uh, shifts the dynamic. And I did, I was very recently reading the comics that she appeared in um, for Daredevil, and I thought she had such a great relationship with Matt, and I would love to see kind of just those two interacting. Um, and it's something I hope to see in the Echo show. I know that there have been rumors that we might get to see Matt there as well yeah. um, when she eventually gets her own adaptation. But I think it would be interesting to start drawing in new characters um, and throwing them into the mix and just seeing how they're interacting with each other. I agree. And I think that's one thing that the Netflix Marvel shows were starting to do and were didn't unfortunately didn't have like enough time to like do it properly was bringing each other's characters like into yeah. each other's shows. Like I know they they did it a little bit for, especially like, well, the Defenders is like another story because that was like the purpose of that show. But yeah. I know there was like the crossover with um, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Like, so I wonder if, because that's like the whole premise of the MCU is like all these characters existing in each other's projects, like, cause it's one mm -hmm. universe. If they'll eventually kind of bring that aspect into the Marvel show or the Disney plus shows, I should say, like if yeah. that's their specific goal that they kind of want to kind of redo, so to speak, like their phase one attempt of having all these characters together. Yeah, it would be really great kind of, I, I think the interwovenness is something that I've really enjoyed 
um, with you know the Disney Plus show so far and how we know that they're going to play out into the greater MCU. So it would be nice because I know the Netflix shows did start getting at that and having crossovers, even if it's just characters like I know Claire um, crosses over yes. between the shows. Um, so having characters like that, having Echo be in Hawkeye and then be in Daredevil and then be in her own show, or even having seeing the trio interact with like much bigger established superheroes in the MCU would yes. also be kind of funny. Like seeing, I don't know who specifically it would be cool to see them interact with, but like trying to think of New York, like Doctor Strange and Matt Burdock interacting or um, like these big scale heroes, I guess you could yeah. say, interacting with um, the more street level, I think would be really cool. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, it would still, especially if it's like in their show, it'll still allow them to like, you know, keep that ground level uh, theme that they have going yeah. for the show, which is, as we said, like very important to like what made the show so great. But mm -hmm. I, again, on the other hand, I totally agree. It'd be so much fun just to see Daredevil being there. Like, can you imagine and the first person that comes to mind is Bucky, like just being like, <laughs> so you can't see but you're doing all this ninja all this ninja crap it would like. be so funny it would it definitely really there are so many like comedic duos that i can imagine because as much as i really do love like the groundedness of daredevil and i think like it it would shift a little bit having these other mcu characters come into it i think the dynamics would be hilarious to explore and to maybe i think it could help ground some of the larger than life characters as well like mm -hmm. even um like characters like thor i guess is the first person that comes to mind where it's like he's a god and he's very much larger than life and we see him in all these you know big scale issues and problems and villains that he's dealing with with all these superpowers it would be cool to see these characters being grounded by being brought to a street level show where it's mm -hmm. much more serious and and gritty and you know, less based on humor as well. Um, and, yeah. and just seeing a different side to them. Totally agree. Totally agree. Cause that's one thing that I know people have complained a lot about Marvel, how it's like just this larger than life. Like, it's always like, how can we raise the stakes even more? And like, yeah. if you watch Marvel, like you understand, like, that's kind of like the point of it, but you can see how somebody who's like not deep into the MCU could kind of get frustrated by that. So mm -hmm. definitely having somebody like Daredevil, who's very much ground level, would kind of help balance that. And, you know, it wouldn't be forever because like Thor, like you said, Thor, like he's he's as guardian God, like that's his thing. Like he's supposed to be larger than life. But to mm -hmm. have the chance to interact and kind of just be down to earth, essentially, yeah. and, you know, figuratively and literally speaking. <laughs> would be you know really great thing for a great development opportunity for a lot of characters yeah yeah because yeah. then you also have you know like you know sam and bucky for example they're kind of like in the middle like you know they've dealt with aliens and thanos but you know their own show the falcon the winter soldier was kind of it was like a worldwide ground level sort of yeah. a thing going on and i think they would also be like a really good match to like meet Daredevil and potentially kind of be if they if Marvel wants to bring Daredevil to like a more cosmic level storyline like be like a good bridge a way to like mm -hmm. connect him to this larger than life thing because you know his focus has always been Hell's Kitchen has always been yeah. New York so you know it's like for example like if the Battle of New York had taken place like while he was Daredevil like after season three of Daredevil like he probably would have done something or would have been something like an end game where you see the ancient one in the flashback like fighting the digitari yeah. that got too close or could have been something like that who mm -hmm. knows that would actually be an interesting uh flashback thing to do it would be it would be interesting to see 
Yeah, him in the in the black suit, kind of just like punching, <laughs> and then just oh kind of gosh. punching a Chitari in the face. He's just like throwing his billy clubs across New York. Yes, yes. It just like ricochets off a uh, like a dumpster or something, and just <laughs> the Chitari in the head. It would be perfect. Oh, uh, okay. Now we know how Daredevil season four has to start. <laughs> yes, that's that's the exact sequence I want to open the season. Yes. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's it's. It's a lot to hope for, but I feel yes. like Marvel knows what the audience wants and it's a really good, pro- it's not like, you know, it, it's a good project that was very successful. So mm-hmm. I think that they can kind of meet us halfway with this one. Yeah, I think there can definitely be a middle ground of, you know, fans getting to see what they want to see, getting to see these characters, the continuation of the story, but also, you know, having some of that compromise and seeing these new elements and Disney Plus's spin on the characters and whatever changes that might be. Totally agree. Totally agree. So before we sign off on this episode, is there anything Daredevil related, TikTok related, personal related that you would like to share with our audience today? Um, I think I'm just, I'm really excited um, at the potential to see Matt Murdock coming back. I really do hope, I mean, as of now, I'm still unsure of whether or not we're really going to see him in No Way Home or if we're definitely going to see Kingpin and Hawkeye. So I'm keeping my hopes high in that we'll see these characters return and that we'll see these these great adaptations and and see, honestly, just more of their stories unfolding in the future. And I'm really looking forward to it. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Fandom Report. Again, if you are not following Trista yet on TikTok, make sure you do. I will be putting the link to her account in the description box. Trista, thank you again so much for joining us today. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I loved coming on here and talking with you. You're so sweet. This was so much fun. (laughs) I had such a great time talking about Daredevil with you. Likewise, likewise. And hopefully we'll have you back for another episode in the future. Hopefully talking about how Matt Murdock was in fact in No Way Home. Yes, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Absolutely. Again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.